Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Man, it's great to see everybody out there. And welcome everybody online. Let's give a big shout out to everybody for coming today. Come on, everybody. Let's give them a good one. Come on, let's give a good one. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, the good news is I read in the paper that a cold front's coming. Tomorrow it's going to get like in the 80s. Like two days and then back up in the 90s. But hey, we'll take what we can get, right? Come on. I'll tell you what I'm not going to do today is give a shout out to the Cowboys because that didn't go so good last week. So, uh, so, hey, listen, it is Mission Sunday. You saw uh, the announcements on the screen, and we just want to let you know that we designate the first Sunday of every month as Mission Sunday, where we're asking you guys to take time throughout the month to pray and to see what God would have you and your family get together, do uh, above your time to missions. You can always give the missions. Please don't get me wrong in that, but sometimes just coming prepared or intentionally to be a blessing in some capacity. It might be a particular missionary we support or project, and you can always participate on Mission Sunday in our Missions Cafe. And so all the proceeds that go for the breakfast and lunch go into um, helping our missionaries and things that they do. And in this time around, let me just tell you, oh, the menus, um, <laughs> just a brisket and ribs going today, unless those greedy first service people didn't buy it all. I'm just saying, I'm just, sometimes Mission Sunday might have to come to the nine o'clock service. I don't know. But uh, so while supplies last, all that goes into our missions fund. And so we're just uh, looking for ways that you can, um, number one, meet a need in you <laughs> to eat and then be a blessing to our missionaries around the world. As you saw, we had a um, couple months ago, I don't know, maybe two months ago, we talked about a need at Audible De Vida for adding another pastor to their staff on, in the area of outreach. And we uh, showed you or introduced you to Gustavo and his family, and they are amazing. I just can't say enough great things about them. What a blessing it is to have them at Audible. And Pastor Jeff was wanting them on staff full-time, needed them. The ministry's expanding. The outreach ministry is expanding. Uh, they're getting into public schools. They're doing Bible studies at the police department. They're doing it at rehab centers. Just amazing things that he's been able to do through his gifting and calling. Um, the problem was they weren't able to fund him full-time, uh, to pay him enough to fund his family full-time at the church. And he goes to Rayma Bible School there in Leon. And we're actually, Tree Life, you're paying for he and his wife's tuition. And so uh, we just really felt God came up with an idea, or gave us an idea, rather, on helping him supplement his income. So we got together last couple months ago and got together and purchased a vehicle for Audible de Vida so uh, Gustavo could drive Uber and supplement his income with a flexible schedule. Here's the thing. You guys are so generous. I've shared this already that you went above and beyond our expectations and you were able to purchase a brand new vehicle through your generosity. And that's incredible. That's incredible. It really is. Some of the amazing part of that is... Um, to be uber-worthy in Mexico, I don't know where else, but in Mexico for sure, that it can't be older than six years. And so by getting a new vehicle, that vehicle will be in service to be a blessing for so much longer than what we probably thought we could. But I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to show you the reveal. Here's the big reveal with Pastor Jeff. Take a look on the screen. Hey guys, this is Pastor Jeff. We are here in León, Guanajuato, Mexico. And we are very excited because today we are going to present the vehicle that you guys purchased. And just to tell you about the vehicle, we were able to buy, with your donations, we were able to buy a, uh, an actual new car. Not a used car, but a new car, a 2020 model. And so we bought one of the uh, more popular models for Uber vehicles here in Mexico, which is a Kia uh, Rio. Hey, hello. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> 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 wow! Sorpresa! Wow! Gracias. 
Gracias. Gracias. Mission accomplished. Bueno, árbol de vida, tree of life. Thank you so much. You're awesome. I love this car. Gracias por todo. Este, lo vamos a disfrutar muchísimo. Es un regalo muy grande para nuestra familia y una bendición muy grande para nosotros. Muchísimas gracias. Man, awesome, awesome. That's amazing. Isn't it so, doesn't it feel so good to be a part of something like that? And to know that that smile on his face is always there no matter what's going on, I promise you that. And their heart and spirit is so just sweet and genuine, and they're doing great things for the kingdom and great things at Audible Day Vita. And so uh, thank you guys for just joining together. See what we can do when we come together and make that happen. Uh, for so many years, and Gustavo and his family are just invaluable to the ministry and the expansion there in Audible Day Vita, and they're going to be uh, Audible Day Vita pastors at other churches, Audible Day Vita churches into the future. So a great long-term investment. What a return on investment. Amen. All the souls that they'll touch and reach, we all have a part of that. So thank you so much. Hey, also, another part of that, amen, another, uh, just another thing, as Pastor Jeff and I were talking, so I said that they're both going through Rama. I'm a Rama grad, Rama has, uh, their headquarters is here in the States, my whole family graduated from Rama, and then uh, several of our staff have in times past, 250 Rama campuses around the world, Leon is one of those, and so uh, one of the things that they felt would help expand the enrollment at Rama Leon was to get into a neutral site, just because sometimes people don't want to send their church members or their staff, or even as a pastor themselves, going over and feel like they're going to another church, and that's just kind of awkward sometimes. And so uh, Jeff had been praying, Pastor Jeff had been praying for just the opportunity for a neutral site to come up and the finances to be able to lease. So there's a lady in that church in Audible de Vida that uh, is a senator, a state senator there in Guanajuato, and her and her husband own multiple businesses and buildings. And so she had a campaign building that had a school in it and some other offices, law offices. And so she approached Pastor Jeff and said, I have this building, it's right downtown, it's the best location you can imagine, high visibility, traffic, has a parking garage right next to it, has a par public parking right by it, and has enough adequate space to do anything you wanna do, and I wanna let the church use it for two years rent-free. Come on, somebody, let me tell you, that's God right there. Two years rent-free. That's amazing. The only thing, they had to do a little bit of work. It hasn't been used for a little while, so they got to roll up their sleeves and do a lot of cleaning. Somebody has already donated all the funds for painting. They need a little bit of electrical work, and they need to expand the bathrooms a little bit uh, to be able to have a greater capacity, and that's where the bigger expense is, and just a few odds and ends here and there. So I just wanted to say that everything today through the Missions Cafe, those monies are going to go to help uh, do the things that need to be done there. You're welcome to give above your tithe and do that, designate it, donate it, however you want to say it or mark it. And so we just felt like we could just jump in with them and get it ready for uh, their January enrollment. They're, they're right now rolling their fall classes. They'll start some new classes in January. And so I think we can come in, partner with other people and make that happen. Amen, don't you? What a great thing to do. Thank you so much. All right. We are in part five of our series, Digging Deep. I don't have a lot of time for review. Go ahead and turn to Genesis 26, 18. If you've missed any of our installments, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen. You can watch them online. Um, always, if you, if you miss a Sunday, you're not feeling good, you're away on vacation, you can log in. Um, in fact, let me just give a big shout out to my wife is with her parents on a kind of a family trip, and I just want to give her a big shout out. I love you, I miss you, and Wednesday's her birthday. Let's just give her a big, free happy birthday, Jessamine. Love you, miss you. I just, I promise when you come home, the house will be clean. I'm working on it. Okay, I got it. All right. Get rid of all the to-go containers and we'll get the house picked up. Okay, it's just, what do you do, right? And so, uh, so anytime you're gone, you can watch and go back and watch. But we've, we're actually in part five and 
called Digging Deep, and we looked at this passage of scripture in Genesis 26, and we're looking at some core values that we have. I believe every believer needs to have. We certainly do as a church. That over time, it's easy to allow the world to come in and kind of muddy the water, so to speak. Let's take a look and see what it says. Genesis 26, 18, it says, and Isaac, uh, the son of Abraham, dug, uh, dug again, so redug or, or cleaned out the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. His father had dug these wells. And it says the Philistines had stopped them up or filled them in after the death of Abraham. They obviously couldn't do it when Abraham was alive because he wouldn't let them. And so they waited for him to pass. And their hope was the next generation would not be as dedicated and get, keeping those wells the way that they were. And it goes on to say, he called them by the names which his father had called them. And also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. So Isaac came to redig or clear out the debris that the world of the Philistines had thrown in there. And then they also dug some new wells. And so the whole point about that is there's things in our life and, and things that we see in scripture that are important for you and I to make sure we, we go back from time to time to visit those core values and beliefs and dig some of the debris, get some of the dirt out that the world will throw in there that will compromise our belief system, that we, we all of a sudden are listening more to culture than scripture. And, and there's times that we need to go and just do that. For some people, some of the things we're talking about, it'll be the first time that you've ever heard or ever known. And so you may be digging a well for the first time. The whole power in this is, however, is Isaac and Abraham dug the wells and Isaac benefited from it and Jacob and on down their lineage. And there's probably people in your family, maybe some you don't even know that I have a few in mind that had dug some wells in times past, that that water is still there. It's still there. You just sometimes got to clean it out and we can't get used to drinking dirty water. We got to make sure we go back and clean those things out. My mom yesterday had sent me an article. Her, uh, Her aunt passed away, um, her mom's sister at the age of 102. She passed away yesterday. She was 102 years old. I thought, wow, that's, I didn't know anybody in my family lived that long. So uh, I was looking, she sent me her obituary and I was reading her a bit and it said that she had been a member of their Baptist church since 1928. I thought, oh my goodness. And I was trying to do the math, but those numbers were too big for me. And so, uh, <laughs> I, I, so since 1928, and it says she taught Sunday school, she sang in the choir, she sang in a quartet. And I, and I just, all of a sudden, it just hit me. This scripture hit me. It's like, my great aunt, way back in that day, was digging wells that my family are drinking from today. Come on, somebody. And we're drinking from that water was still there. I shared a couple weeks ago, my, my great-grandfather on my dad's side, uh, in Joplin, Missouri, helped found Second Assemblies of God Church, and he was actually thrown in, in jail with another man for speaking in tongues. And I thought, you know what? We have no idea what, what, what our ancestors, if you will, have done, but there's chances that somebody in your family have dug a well that you can drink from today. Sometimes you just got to clean some debris out of it. And for others, you might be the first person really following and serving God or, or hearing these things for the first time, and, and maybe you're the one digging the well, but dig the well, because then your kids and your grandkids and great-grandkids will drink from it. And so uh, today we're going to look at another um, a topic, if you will. The last two weeks we spent, or two, two of the first three weeks we spent time talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week we talked about the, the communion table or the Lord's Supper and how that can just become routine or a ritual or a practice and we miss the power of it. So we dug, we dug some dirt or some debris maybe out of there about our understanding of it, what it really means or represents. And today I want to tackle actually a topic the next two weeks we'll, we'll be here. And, and, and I don't... There's a word that is kind of, I don't know, I think we think it's kind of like a bad word and I really don't use it a whole lot. And in fact, I'll probably repent ahead of time, forgive me ahead of time. Um, don't really use, use this word. Um, I'll do it, my wife's not here. <laughs> and so a little bit more bolder, maybe some of the things I'll say. Um, 
Some of you may cringe at this word. Some of you might want to get up and leave. Some of you might just shut me out or whatever. Um, but please don't throw anything. Um, but it's, a, it's the word prosperity. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, and I understand why. I understand why the word prosperity has such a bad meaning to it. And I've seen it. I've seen abuses of it, and I've seen all kinds of things happen in the name of prosperity, or God wants to prosper you. And, and can I tell you, I, I, can't, I, I, I can't tell you how many times people ask me, well, tell me about your church. Are you one of those prosperity preachers? And I'm like, well, how should I answer that? <laughs> well, I mean, God wants us to be blessed. Yeah, and I hear this. Are you, are you the one, are you guys do that health and wealth stuff? And I'm like, well, yeah, God wants us healed, and he wants us blessed. And I hear things like, are you the name it and claim it bunch? Are you the... Can, confess it and possess it? Are you the blab it and grab it? Are you like, yes, 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 yes. I don't know. I don't know all that. Yeah, I don't know. If it's in the Bible, I'm that, okay? All right. And I think the thing about it is we just really either don't understand or we've allowed bad experiences or abuses or misuses of it. Paint a picture for us. But I just to be honest with you, God wants you to prosper. And there's a reason why and there's a reason for it. Not the reason that typically seems to be conveyed, and certainly not from late night TV preaching. And I don't know why I get up in the middle of the night still and watch those shows, because they just make me so mad, mad, and my wife goes, why do you do that to yourself? I'm like, I don't know. Can't sleep now. Watch that guy telling me that if I give $1,000 that God's going to unlock something in my life or whatever that is, and got miracle spring water from Jerusalem, but it's from Jersey, right, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just tithe. I tithe, and God blesses me, right? And then I give offerings as the Lord leads me. And I, it's not this thing that people made it. I, I want to help bring some balance to that if I can over the next two weeks. And I want you to just open up your heart, whatever your experiences have been, whatever you have heard in times past. Let's just do kind of like how we did the Holy Spirit. Let's wipe the slate clean a little bit. And let's just come with an open heart and see what the word of God has to say. And then you decide uh, for you and your family. I, I think it's important for us to understand this principle. It's extremely important in scripture. In fact, it's the word give. We're not going to go there today. We'll go next week. But the word give is used so much more than any of the key words that we see in the scripture. You'd probably be a little bit surprised. But it's like I have a hard time with the teaching and preaching of this sometimes and how people act. And and I don't think it's God necessarily a lot of things that are being said. And it's like, I don't know if you've heard, I hear stories all the time, but I don't know if you've heard this story, but it's about the church that said, if you brought $1,000, if you bring $1,000, then you can pick three hymns. And so, yeah, and so crazy. So uh, this little lady in service came up from the back with $1,000 and gave her $1,000 offering. And she said, uh, I pick him, I pick him, and I pick, I pick him. <laughs> okay. I'll lighten it up a little bit. Lighten the mood. All you single ladies are like, where's that church at? <laughs> where's that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. We need, okay, we need to move on quickly. Uh, so... Let me talk about the word prosperity. Prosperity in the Hebrew, the word prosper is the word salak, salak, and it has that to it. It's Hebrew, right? So salak, and this word really has nothing or not so much to do with money, but mostly about the condition of your soul. It's about what's going on inside of you. Now, we've made it to mean something else, but that was not the intent in Scripture. And in the original language, it was written in Hebrew. Uh, you see that it has a completely different meaning as God intended. So in the Hebrew, the word prosper simply means to push forward. And so you'll obtain some things on your own in life, but God wants to give you a little push forward to put you in places that you couldn't get on your own, to experience things that you couldn't do on your own. So God wants to prosper you or give you a little push forward 
to get beyond where you currently are, get beyond where you could just go in your natural strength and ability, to get you a little push to put you in places you've never been on your own. In other words, he prospers you by doing that, or he prospered you. He gave you a push forward into a place that you'd never been to experience something you've never experienced. And honestly, I'm someone who's experienced that in my life before, and I don't know, probably most of you don't know that, but today, today, the first Sunday in October marks the 13th anniversary where Jessamine and I were set in as the senior pastors of Tree of Life Church. 13 years ago, Jessamine and I, yeah, amen, thank you. 13 years. My, how time has flown, right? Time flies when you're having fun. So it's not, it's not wood, but 13 years ago, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, I stand here and I'm thinking, how do I get to stand on the stage with these amazing people in this facility doing all the things that we get to do? And here's why, why it blows my mind is because I know me. I know me better than anybody, and I'm just amazed and blown away of the opportunity that God has given me. How did this happen? How could this happen? I wasn't a good student in school. I mean, I played baseball at New Braunfels High School, so my whole goal was to maintain my grades at a level where I could still be eligible to play. I didn't have any motivation to go beyond that, unfortunately. And so I just did enough to be eligible to play. I failed all my public speaking classes, all my speeches in college. I failed them all except one. I shared this before. The only one I didn't fail, and the reason I passed it is because it was maybe so, so different than anybody else, or maybe so funny, was that I gave a speech about being an armadillo wrangler because I was an armadillo wrangler. And yes, that is, that was at the time a real deal. There's not many of us around. <laughs> but I was, I know, I know, it makes you really proud. Wow, my pastor's an armadillo wrangler, that's awesome. We may be the only church in America that is pastored by an armadillo wrangler. Can I tell you, it's like, hey, that's something to be proud about. So that's <laughs> like, yeah. An armadillo wrangler, and I just made it so fun and interesting. The guy, gave, he was laughing so much, he gave me a passing grade, and I just needed that thank you, Jesus, to get past that class. I, I talk way too fast. I listen to one of my messages. I try and do that because I always want to better myself last week, and I'm like, how do people understand me? Right? It's like I talk so fast. It must be the Holy Spirit. I, I make words up. My grammar is horrible, terrible. Um, I... I quit college to go to Bible school, and I just want to tell you right now, I went to seven schools in seven years. Can I tell you? It's like, I was on the freedom tour. <laughs> yeah, I'm free. I can do whatever I want now. Seven schools. And I'm wondering why nobody else did, because seven is the perfect number in the Bible. Come on. Seven years, seven schools. Graduated in that from Bible school. Quit college to go do that. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, and it just, I, I can't imagine why I'm standing here, because the reality for me is... I was a bank teller before I went into full-time ministry. I went from a bank teller to full-time ministry 27 years ago. I know me, but I look back on my life and I say there are times, strategic times that God gave me, he prospered me, he gave me that gentle push forward to go beyond where I was able to go. Into things I never was probably capable to do, I didn't deserve maybe, I, I couldn't earn, but God wants to give you that push forward in things in your life. And that's what prosperity is. That's what it really means. And I, I think about the times that just as, as a funny, funny side note for me, that armadillo wrangling, I, I thought about this, that, hey, if you can wrangle armadillos, you can wrangle people, church people, right? That's, that's the title of my first book. You can wrangle armadillos, you can wrangle church people. But at the, strategically throughout life, it's not, okay, don't laugh so hard, you're going to make me feel bad there. It's like, that's a little, security drag you out of here. Uh, so that push forward, that's what God wants to do. He wants to prosper you. And we've got it all mixed up and we've got it meaning something completely more than God ever intended. And so we can't be afraid of this word because the reality is God has no problem using this word. 
Because he knows how he intended to write it and what it means. In Genesis 26, 12 through 13, take a look. It says this in verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. As if to imply that people don't generally reap a hundredfold. But he sowed, and God blessed him with a hundredfold. Then the next verse says, the man began to prosper, had a, a push forward in life, and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. He prospered, the man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. As almost if today God would say, oh, you don't like the word prosperity? Well, prosperity, 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 prosperity. <laughs> How do you like me now? And so what's God? God says, I have no problem with the word. It's a good thing. It's what I want for you. Don't get it mixed up and don't get it confused and don't get it out of balance. Take a look at the scripture. We're gonna do that today and God's not afraid to use the word and we shouldn't be either, but we need to understand what he was intending. Proverbs 11.10 says this, when the righteous prosper, when God's people prosper, the city rejoices. Now think about this for a second. What he's saying is when the right people have the right things at the right time in the right place, everybody else benefits. It's a benefit to everybody for God's people to prosper or to be moved forward in the things of God. And it goes on to say that this in Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, a generous person will be pushed forward. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I love that about God because God says, if that's the attitude that you have, then you're gonna have those things that you need and I'll give you more. God says, if that's your attitude, that where you're going to do things that are going to bless everybody else, where everybody else benefits, you're going to refresh people, you're going to use the things that I give you to be a blessing to other people, He's going to say, then I'm going to make sure you have what you need. I'm going to bless you. Because God never intended for those things to be just for you. He never intended for you just to show what you have or look how good you got it. There's always a purpose for it. And God always intended you to be generous with the things he gives you. So the generous person will prosper, the Bible says, will get pushed forward, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay, so let's take a look at the New Testament real quick. Third John 1, 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, be pushed forward in all things. I want you to be pushed forward in your marriage. I want you to be pushed forward in your children. I want you to be pushed forward in your emotions. So it's not just a money thing. I wish that you would prosper. I pray that you may prosper, be pushed forward in all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know, he wants you to be, he wants you to prosper so much emotionally that when you go to work, when everybody else is facing stress, anxiety, fear, worry, depression, the joy of the Lord is your strength and you're sharing it with everybody. What did he do that? I prospered you so you can be a blessing to those that are struggling with this emotional area of their life. See, he wants you to prosper in every area of, of your life. And so what is, a bibli- what is biblical prosperity? Because I thought it was all about money. So that's what we hear. And that's where it's in, out of balance. That's what's abused a little, a little bit here. So let me take a look and give you what I believe the definition of biblical prosperity is. I wrote it this way. Biblical prosperity is simply having more than you need so you can make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. Having more than you need so you can make a difference for eternity in the lives of other people. That's what God intends with biblical prosperity, if you will. In other words, you don't possess just what you need to have. You don't possess just what you need to consume. You possess beyond that because then he wants you to be a blessing to other people. He wants you to have more than you need because he wants you to make a difference in others, not just what you need or just what you'll consume. And so the truth is, 
life on this planet, why that's important is because life on this planet, the Bible says, is short. The Bible describes it as a vapor, a mist. Almost as if you're boiling a pot of water and when it's really boiling and you see that little mist or that little vapor rise above it for a second, then it's gone. That's how the Bible describes life. Well, and of course it would because it's, it's in, um, in perspective of eternity. You know, the other side of our life here on the planet, eternity is a whole lot longer than the short time that we live here. So what he's saying is, we're here for just a very short time. We have a very short window on this planet, so we need to make the biggest difference we can while we're here. And in order for us to do that, God wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing, so you can reach and touch the lives of people. And we believe that here at Tree of Life. Life is short, so let's not waste it. Let's do everything we can to make the biggest impact possible. And that's why we create, we say, we believe it, so we create services here, opportunities on the weekend to know God. We just want you to know God more when you came, after you've come in than you did before you did. We want you to know God and connect with God. We want you to connect with other people because life is short and you need to connect with other people. You need to have healthy relationships that will help you, you help them. You need to discover your purpose, why you're on the planet. Why are you here? Because if you don't know your purpose, you'll never fulfill it. And then you need to make the biggest difference you can. We need to make the biggest difference we can in our generation. So we need to know God. We need to connect with others, groups, relationally. We need to discover our purpose and make the biggest difference we can in our generation. We believe that, and that's why we exist. So if that's what we believe, and if that's why we exist, then there's some truths that we need to believe and understand in the scripture. Let me give you those. Number one, God blesses us to be a blessing. If those things are true, which we just discussed, and they are, if that's why we exist, and it is, then we need to know that God blesses us to be a blessing. That's why he blesses us. You understand that that's the purpose of blessing? I thought the purpose of blessing was to just bless me, to help me. No. The purpose of blessing is so that you can bless other people. So other people will be blessed. He'll bless you to bless other people. That's the purpose of it. It's not just so you can see, look what I have, look what I have, look what I've done, look how I'm living. It's so you can use that to help other people with a better life. See, the blessing was never so we could have more things just for the sake of having more things. And God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want the things having you. And so we need to not draw attention to ourselves with what we have or what we have. And, I, and can I just, for a second, I'm going to say this. And it just frustrates me when people talk about it in a sense. It's almost like God wants us all to be rich so we can be rich and, and look at all this. And I'm not, I don't have any problem with people having things as long as the things don't have them. And I, I just... I judge myself, if you will, and how I live. God never intended for you to, to be this person that's like, you're, you're, you know, the, I'm, I'm a son of the king, and so I'm going to live this way and stuff like that. Well, can I tell you, if you have the wrong motivation, you're going to you enjoy it while you can, because one day you'll be dethroned from your role. Because God doesn't do, God wants you to have stuff. Don't, he doesn't want the stuff to have you. He wants you to enjoy it. But there's a purpose. There's a reason why he'll give you more than what you need and that's to be a blessing. God blesses us so we can take what he blesses us with and make a difference in the, eye, in, in the lives of other people. And you know, in Galatians 13, I didn't put this in your notes. You can write this down and study it later. I, I'm sorry, Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ redeemed us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. It is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or a cross. Verse 13. Listen to verse 14 says this. So he redeemed us. He became a curse for us. He went to the cross to take the curse on himself so we didn't have to have the curse. So he redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might be ours. So in other words, he got the curse off of us 
for a reason. What's the opposite of curse? Blessing. So Jesus went to the cross to get the curse off of us so that we could walk in the blessing of Abraham. Oh no, I thought he went to the cross so I could go to heaven one day. Well, and we, and we learned last week a whole lot of things associated with that. But don't just think he went to the cross just so you could, and took the curse upon himself just so you can get to heaven. He took the curse on himself so you didn't have the curse so you could have the blessing. And he wants you to have the blessing of Abraham. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look. Okay, Genesis 12.2, New Living Translation. See, I talk really fast and sometimes really loud, but here we go. Okay, Genesis 12.2 says this. This is the blessing of Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And listen to this last phrase and you will be a blessing to others. The blessing of Abraham is God says, I will make you a blessing so you can be a blessing to others. It has a responsibility attached to it. So Jesus went to the cross to take our curse so that we would have the responsibility of being a blessing to somebody else. Let's not get it mixed up. He wants to prosper us so we can be a blessing to other people. The blessing comes with responsibility, he says. I need you to be a blessing. Basically saying, I need you to be my hands and feet. And let me say this, you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. So God needs you to have so you can be a blessing. In fact, I need more than I need so I can be a blessing. I need more than I need. In fact, I pray that way. And I don't know what you think about that. I think that's totally biblical. I pray that Tree of Life has more than it needs so it can be a blessing. I'm not here trying to big build or fancy, build bigger, fancier buildings. We just want to meet our need. We, we keep it simple. You've seen that. We're, we're very good stewards of the finances, but we're not trying to build to say, look what we have or look what Tree of Life has or anything. And we want to do everything with excellence, but listen, I pray, God, give us more than we need so we can be a blessing to other people. And you saw that. You saw in the video. So we can be a blessing. So we can write Audible De Vida a check for it because of your generosity to help increase the ministry capacity of Audible De Vida. I, this, this two weeks ago, maybe, I was at the Ministerial Alliance luncheon, and I sat next to a pastor. Uh, October 1st, they celebrated their second anniversary here at Tree Life. For two years, they've been in elementary school, setting up, tearing down, setting up, tearing down, for two years. And finally, found, they found a building that they're going to remodel, can remodel, and they're going to move into it. And he was super excited. And so, man, God just dropped it on my heart when I was sitting there next to him. And I went home, and, and I, told, I called my wife, and I said, hey, I said, uh, here's what I think that we really should do. This couple is celebrating their second anniversary. So my wife went and put a gift basket together with some things for his wife and his kids. And he, because we know what it's like to be a pastor. We, congratulations to two years of being a pastor. Keep going. Hang in. Don't quit. Keep going. And just to be a blessing. We know what it's like. And then I also felt led to do something beyond that. So I got together uh, with uh, Pastor Lemoyne and we worked on the finances and I went over and visited him at the building. They were um, trying to raise money to remodel they had some work that had to be done. I gave them the gift basket, and then I said, oh, here, from Tree of Life Church, from the Tree of Life Church family, I gave them a check for $1,000 towards their building remodel, and I said, we believe in what you're doing here in New Braunfels in this area. We believe you're making a difference in the lives of people. Keep going. We're praying for you. See, I'm, I'm praying, God, give us more than we need, so at any moment, we can be a blessing when there's opportunity arises and to help people. We're blessed to be a blessing. That's why we're here. That's what we do. And that wasn't a, oh, look at me or look at whatever, look at tree. It was, that's what God's plan is. That's what he's trying to do. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to, to, he wants to give us a, a push forward so we can do things beyond our natural ability. It's important that we need more than we need so we can be a blessing. 
Here's another one thing I want to give you. When we bless others, God takes care of our needs. When we bless others, God takes care of our needs. And I, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have God taking care of me than me taking care of me. I'll just be quite honest with you. Right? Come on. I'd rather have God taking me than me taking care of me than me taking care of me. See, you don't ever want to come to a place where you put your security in something other than God, where you feel like you got it. You always need to have a dependency on God. No matter what, always depend on God. And, and where, where you feel, you never want to get to the place that you feel like, I got it, God, no worries. I, I don't need that. I got it. You never get to that place, never. It's good to trust God to take care of you, to not be afraid. Let me say it this way. It's good to trust God enough not to be afraid to pour into other people. Because the reality is sometimes we won't do that because we feel like it's our security. But let me say this. God will take better care of you than you ever could take care of yourself. Amen? And he says, if you'll trust me, I'm blessing you if you'll bless other people. Basically, he wants us to be a funnel. If he can get it through us, he'll get it to us. So it's a funnel, his blessing, and it's to be a blessing to other people. So don't be afraid to do that. Be a funnel for God's blessings. Luke 18, 29 through 30 says this. Jesus said to them, and I love the wording in the God's word translation. Jesus says, I guarantee this truth. As Jesus need to actually say, I guarantee it, right? <laughs> Automatically, everything you say, Jesus has a guarantee to it. But just in case you were wondering. I guarantee this truth. Anyone who gave up his home, wife, brothers, parents, children because of God's kingdom will certainly receive many times as much in this life and will receive eternal life in the world to come. So what he says, if you will trust me, he goes, I'll take care of you here and I'll take care of you there. Or I'll take care of you there and I'll take care of you here. So sometimes what we think is that we're, yeah, we're storing up treasures in heaven. That's great. And I know my reward's going to come one day in heaven, but no, no, no. If you're a generous person, God's going to reward you here on the earth too. He wants to bless you here and there. He wants to bless you there and here. God will take care of you. Because he's a good and faithful God. I wrote it this way. Jesus says, if you're going to be a river instead of reservoir, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you here and I'm going to bless you there. So let's not trust in our own riches, but let's trust in him who richly provides. Don't just put your hope in the provision, but in the provider. Let me give you this. The more God blesses us, the more he expects us to bless others. The more he blesses us, the more he expects us to bless others. And I think we forget that sometimes. The, the, the more blessed that we become sometimes, the less generous. In fact, the most generous people are the people that have the least, statistically speaking. It's not that you would think the wealthy are not the most generous people and they get big amounts, but in relationship or, or in percentage or ratio to their income, it's not the case. It's the people with the least that are the biggest givers. Now, not everybody is blessed at the same level. Now, understand, I'm gonna say it this way. Hey, I don't care what's going on when you watch the TV and the political situation and all this kind of stuff and it's just crazy and ridiculous and all this, we're getting tired of it for sure. But listen, America is still the greatest country on the planet. Come on, somebody. This is still the greatest country on the planet. It still is. We just have some people that are struggling with some stuff. That's all I'll say right now. But nonetheless, it's still the greatest country on the planet. And so can I say, therefore, Texas is the greatest state in this country? I mean, without question. Come on. And all of you that relocated, you know it is. That's why you moved here. You just wish you would have done it sooner. And so can I take it one step farther because I love my church and I believe every pastor should think this. And we at Tree of Life attend the greatest church on the earth. Come on. Now, 
I don't, I don't say that proudly. I hope every pastor stands in their pulpit and can say that. And if they can't, well, we need to pray for them right, this morning. But that's the reality. Therefore, a responsibility comes with that. Luke 12, 48, the second part says this. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Now, you may feel like you don't have much. But understand the context that this scripture was written. This scripture was written with a picture of the world. Everybody on the planet, not a particular country, not a particular state, not a particular city, not a particular church. So in relation to people around you, you may compare and judge that and feel like you don't have as much. But listen, if you have combined household income, combined household income of $44,000 or more, you're among the 1% richest people on the planet. It's amazing when you think in terms as the scripture was written and intended with the world in mind. So we are blessed people and we have a responsibility because of our, because of our blessing. Now you may not feel that way, but that's what the scripture's talking about. And listen, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. That's not an appropriate emotion that I want. You shouldn't feel guilty for being American. You shouldn't feel guilty for being a Texan and you sure shouldn't feel guilty for being a tree of lifer. But God doesn't want us guilty. He wants us responsible. God, what do you want me to do about it? You know, my wife and I, when we go and we're going to go in a few weeks to India and, uh, you know, we see abject extreme poverty and there is that place sometimes that you almost feel bad. And I ask this question all the time, God, why did you, why did you put me in America? Why did you put me there at this time in the timeline of history? And why, do you ever ask that stuff on why me here and not there? And I don't know why, but listen, because he did, I need to be responsible. I need to take some responsibility. And so it's important that we do that, but we never should feel guilty, just responsible. We're blessed and it comes with some responsibility. Okay, so the question is this, what causes that blessing? I mean, the Bible is very clear about this. We're talking about blessing, we're talking about that, that push forward, that prosperity. So what causes this? Let's take a look, Psalms 1, one through three, here's what it says real quick. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take or sit in the company of mockers, verse two but whose delight is in the law of God, who loves doing what God has for them to do, who meditates on his law day and night. That person who loves doing what God has him here to do, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, what? Whatever they do, you love doing what God put you on the planet to do, then he wants to give you a push forward. He wants to prosper you. Whatever you do prospers, and God gives you a push forward. So I'm blessed, number one, as I put God first. That is the starting point, as I put God first. God is very sensitive to being first. I don't know if you knew that. And in his name, the Bible says, and in his name is, is jealous. The first commandment, the very first commandment is, thou shalt, shalt not have no other God before me. He's like, let me tell you, before, let me tell you, the rule number one, not to have any other gods before me. All the rest of them I'll say, commandment number two, see commandment number one, <laughs> right? <laughs> he wants to be first. So then we should look for ways to put God first in every area of our life. And that's like, well, that's what I'm doing here this morning, pastor. And I'm like, yeah, just not on Sundays. Mondays and Tuesdays and all the rest of the week. Look for ways to put God first. That's why here at Tree of Life in January, the very beginning of the year, in that beginning of that new season, we take 21 days 
of prayer and fasting to put God first. That's why in August, we take 21 days before the fall season hits to put God first. It's important. We need to rearrange our life so that it reflects that God is first. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So obviously, he's talking about resource. With the first fruits, the very first. Honor God with the very first of all your crops. We'll get into that a little bit next week. Then, after you get things in the right order... Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new life. But we want to pray for our barns to be filled with overflowing and our vats overflow with new new wine. And if it's not in the proper order, you're praying an ineffective prayer. God's not going to violate his word. So you can pray that till you're blue on the face, confess it all day long, put it on your app every day, an alarm and it comes out and a reminder. Hey, do all those things you want. But if it's not in proper order, it's not going to work for you. Because God wants to be first. And let me, just say, let me be so bold to say it this way. If he's not at the top of your list, he's not on your list. Because he doesn't play second fiddle to anything or anyone. He's God. So find ways to put God first. Okay, we're blessed as I manage well. And this just makes sense. We might say this a biblical term, being a good steward. As I manage well. We do everything we can to do that here at the church. Manage everything well with integrity. And this one just makes sense. God has resources, and he's looking to get something to those who handle it well. We're the same way, right? I don't know, I, this is really going to hit home with you parents, right? You'll, you'll, you'll be amen to me in just a second here on this one. So if my kids need stuff, and I've given my kids things over the years, and they come and want more stuff, some of the first things I'll say is like, well, what'd you do with the last thing I gave you? Well, I didn't think that you took care of that. It just laid on the floor of your closet for a year or whatever, is it? It's the floorboard of your car. It was like, I gave it in a better condition than it is. You didn't take care of it. So any one of us as a parent would say, well, I don't know that I want to give you anything else if you didn't take care of or manage well what I already gave you. What do you mean I gave you that money for this and that? You spent it on that? That wasn't what it was for. Is our heavenly father any different with his kids? No, of course not. Why would he be? He expects us to manage those things well. So you can't get things out of order or mismanage them poorly and expect God to come and do something in your life. But we can get things in a proper order and manage them well in line with what he wants, his will, his way, and God will bless us. I will be blessed when I manage things well. It's interesting to me how we live our, and that's a a principle that's not just a financial one. If you manage your body well, you'll spend less time going to the doctor. Right? I mean, you pick anything. You take care of it. It'll work better. In fact, Psalms 84, 11, second part of it says this. No good thing he withholds from those whose walk is blameless. Now, there is an aspect of that blameless that we're, we are blameless in our spirit because of salvation in Jesus Christ. We're in right standing with God because of not in our own righteousness because of that which Jesus did. But it also means that we're walking in a way that will honor God. Not perfect because we'll all make mistakes but organizing our life in a way that we're managing in a way that God would want. Now, let me just say this again. That's why I think small groups are so important because sometimes we don't know that we're managing things wrong. We're not managing well. Let me say it that way. Sometimes we don't know that we're not managing things well, and we need to get in a group relationship where we trust other people around about us that we can say, hey, I think you probably need to make an adjustment here or that we can help somebody else see where they need to maybe make a better decision. Does that make sense? And so we can't sometimes see that in and of ourselves, so we need to surround ourselves with people because God blesses those who manage well. When you do this, the God who has stuff says, if that's the way you're going to live, then let me push you forward a little bit more. 
Number three, as I give intentionally. I'm blessed as I give intentionally. We're going to talk more about that next week. Intentionally, I'm going to be thoughtful. I'm going to be mindful about it. I said this earlier. That's why we want you to make pre-decided, pre-planned decisions. Be a pre-planned, pre-decided giver. And I think it's important because I'm not talking about emotional giving. Yeah, but you just showed a video and stuff. Yeah, I hear you. We've got to present the need sometimes. But we're always trying to be very careful not to make you, give you an imp- impulse to give or emotionally manipulate you and the giving because of that. Now, I know there's just some things that we'll see and we'll just grab our heart in a way. And I'm that guy too. I grab my heart in a way and then I want to invest or so into that. And I I understand that. But we're not trying to manipulate you or control you in that capacity because we believe everybody should be an intentional, pre-decided giver. There are those moments, however, that we'll do that. And so that's why tithing is so important. Pre-decided, pre-determined tither. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. You need to have, uh, that's why Mission Sunday, we tell you every, almost every week, Mission Sunday, so you can pray with your family. You can talk about it with your family and see what you want to do. Already pre-decided, not wait till you come and and perhaps see a highlight or update or a need video. We want you to know ahead of time. We want you to make sure that you have taken that time ahead. Like my wife and I, we we are, and not not to say look at us, but we live this way. So we're tithers. We never miss. We never tithe. We're on vacation. We're out in India, whatever. We online, we tithe through the app. We do it. We never miss it. We give God what's God's. We give the first fruit. Listen, we give offerings above that. We support one of the missionaries in India. We support a family ourselves to do that. That's not to say, look, we've determined to do that. We budget to do that. We help send kids to camp. Every time summer camp comes around, we want to send kids to camp. Listen, what's coming up now, November, we're already planning and prepared to give towards the Thanksgiving outreach boxes. We're going to purchase some boxes. And then the Christmas gift program. We always get probably four kids off the Christmas tree. We plan for that every year. And then out of all of that, we believe God gives us the overflow because of our heart of generosity. He blesses us and then we're able to give to other things like projects that come up or needs that come up in the moment. I'm telling you, be an intentional giver. It's a difference maker. And we would bless people that live that way. God's not any different. God likes it when we have a giving plan, when we're intentional. I got to keep going. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians, however, 9, 10 through 11. Now he, su- now he who supplied seed to the what? Okay, or intentional giver. So what a sower is, I'm going to go, farmer's going to go out and sow seed. He who supplies seed to the intentional giver and bread for food. Now listen, he differentiates between seed and bread. So don't eat your seed. Quit eating your seed. He'll provide bread for that. You sow your seed, intentional giving, and he'll provide your food. Will also supply, listen to this, will also supply and increase your store of what? Seed. Not your, your increase your store of bread. Come on. He'll make sure you have enough bread. Give us this day my daily bread. He'll make sure. He'll increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. All right, we're blessed, number four, as I give generously, as I give generously. Generous doesn't have to do with amounts. I mean, I want you to know that. Generous does not have to do with amounts. It doesn't have to do with amounts. It has to do with your willingness. You can give a little and be generous based on your heart to do that, your willingness. You can give a lot and not be generous. Generosity is a willing principle. I'd be happy to do this or give there or do that. It's a willing principle. Luke 6.38 says this. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. In other words, how's your heart when you give it? God's looking at a generous heart. Now, funny story, I'll 
parents who can all relate to this when the girls were little, or I remember a time, I don't remember exactly where we were. We went somewhere, it might have been a movie, it might have been a, a restaurant or something we were doing, and um, I, I think it was a, like a game or something, and so one of, one of them wanted something from the concession stand or maybe some french fries and, and came back, and you know what that's like, you give them, okay, here you go, here's $5, go get, you know, whatever, Skittles or french fries or whatever it is, and, and come back, and they sit down, and I saw them say, hey, can I have one of those french fries? No, these are mine. Really? They're yours? I think I just bought those. They're actually mine, and I'm letting you eat some right now. All right? I'm just asking for one. No, go get your own. Go get my own? I have enough money in my wallet. I can, I can buy a mountain of French fries. I can bury you under French fries right now if I wanted to. It's not that you even wanted it anymore. You just wanted to be willing to say, yeah, here you go. Right? That's not so. It's like, I'm your source. I could cover you in French fries if I wanted to. I was just asking for one. And really, all I wanted to know is like, absolutely, Dad, here you go. God's our source. He could cover you in whatever it is that he wanted. He just wants your heart. He just wants you to recognize, yeah, here you go, Lord. Absolutely. It's not mine. It's yours anyways. Thank you for allowing me to have this, but whatever you want, God. He just wants us to be generous. He just wants us to have that heart of generosity. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So it goes on to say this, but to put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Don't put it in the things of this world, which is uncertain, which is here today, gone tomorrow. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Notice a connection between putting your hope in God and him richly providing. Putting your hope in God and him richly providing. See, God doesn't want us to be independent of him. He doesn't want us to be independent of him. He wants us to say, Jesus, I need you. No matter what you have, I can't, I can't do this without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't live without you. I can't go without you one more day. I can't be pushed forward without you. Without your hand in my life, God, I need your hand on me. No matter where you get in life, no matter what you have in life, never lose your dependency on God. We always need to be at that place that, God, none of this matters without you. I am nothing without you. And that leads me to number five. As I stay, I'll be blessed as I stay dependent on God. Not on myself, not on this world system, not on my job, not on the economy, not on the stock market, but on God. Be dependent on God. God's a good and faithful God, amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today is just kind of taking a word that I think that we need to get a little bit more clarity on, some balance on it. It's un- misunderstood. And I, under- I-, I know why. I know where that comes from. We need to clear some dirt out of debris out of the well of understanding that God wants to, be a- wants to bless you, but there's a purpose for it. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.